You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 58. Hey there, Impact Drivers. Welcome back to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are talking about how to build teams of micro-innovators, problem solvers, and customer advocates. This episode is sponsored by MeisterPlan. MeisterPlan enables you to answer what-if questions, identify and resolve resource constraints in just a few clicks, and see the impact of changes to your project portfolio in real time. Learn how easy planning your project portfolio can be with MeisterPlan by starting your free 30-day trial at MeisterPlan.com. I am so excited to share with you Karen Hurt and David Dye. Karen and David, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having us. Pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. So I've known Karen and David for quite a while, and I just think they are fantastic. I remember when I first learned about the Winning Well program, Karen and I did some work together at the UN, which was super fun. And I've gotten to know both of them over the years. And I just absolutely love how they help leaders achieve breakthrough results without losing their soul, which is super relevant for all of you impact drivers out there. So let me tell you a little bit more about them and then we'll dive in. They're the founders of Let's Grow Leaders, an international leadership development and training firm. They're the award-winning authors of Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates, which comes out this week, and Winning Well, a manager's guide to getting results without losing your soul. Now, Karen is a top leadership consultant and CEO of Let's Grow Leaders. A former Verizon Wireless executive, she was named to Inc. Magazine's list of great leadership speakers, and I can attest to that myself. David Dye is a former executive and elective official and president of Let's Grow Leaders. Karen and David are committed to their philanthropic initiative, which is so super cool, everyone. It's called Winning Wells, Building Clean Water Wells for the People of Cambodia. Oh, Karen and David, thank you again for being here. And it is just so cool, all this work that you do. Oh, thank you so much. We're really delighted to have this conversation with you. It's fun to be together again. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to just tell the audience before we dive into this cool book that you've got coming out and this topic, can you tell everyone a little bit about Winning Wells? We build on behalf of our clients, these clean water wells in Cambodia. So it's been really fun. We had an opportunity when we were in Southeast Asia speaking to actually go and visit some of them. Oh, neat. To be in the community and to see the impact of what a single well can do for the community. In terms of health, you know, if you have clean water, then you can build a lemon tree, then you can sell the lemons, then you can use the lemons, sales of the lemons to buy chickens, now you have eggs to sell. And one thing really does lead to another. If you are listening to the podcast, it's likely that you live where clean water, we take it for granted. And the impact and the leverage that clean water has on health and the economic well-being of of entire communities is just phenomenal. Yeah. So when a client books us to speak, we take a portion of that and build a well for them. That is so cool. So all of you that are looking for professional speakers to come knock it out of the park, keynoting your event, definitely check them out. They are an amazing team. Okay. So with that said, let's dive into this brand new book that's coming out like right now. 
And tell me about this book. Tell me about this concept before we dive into all these questions I have. All right. Well, Courageous Cultures came about because we saw uh, two things happening. One is the changing nature of work with AI coming around and the commodification of so many of the old competitive advantages. And you look at the world and say, what's your number one competitive advantage? For any leader, for any organization, it's your people. And so the the companies that are going to make it are the people who are able to get everyone's ideas, leverage those ideas to make a difference. And then we also, in our work, in our training, in our consulting and leadership development work with organizations around the world, we would work with senior leaders and we would hear them say things like, you know, why am I the only one who's seeing these problems and, and coming up with solutions? And why is it that when I send out managers to do focus groups, we're just getting back a, a lot of fluff and nothing that's substantial? Yes. And then we would go do development work with the people on the front lines of those organizations. Mm -hmm. And we would hear, and you're nodding, you know what's coming next. We would hear things like, ah, no one wants my idea. They don't really care what I've got to say. You know, they're stuck in their ways. Right. And so Karen and I would look at each other and say, are you guys working in the same company? Mm -hmm. And so we set out to figure out what is it that causes that gap? And what do the best organizations do to overcome it? So we partnered with the University of Colorado, uh, Northern Colorado's social research lab to answer those questions. And so we did two years of research and qualitative, quantitative. We did deep dive case studies with organizations in a number of different fields and uh, getting answers and then developing a practical roadmap to help leaders build a courageous culture where everybody's speaking up, contributing and not falling into safe silence. That is so awesome. And you know what, this is so super important and relevant for PMO leaders and for project managers because they find themselves often in the middle of these conversations, right? They're the ones that are stuck in the middle between the executives and the business leaders and their frustrations and then the people doing the work, right? And so they find themselves having to be kind of a translator in this scenario. And often I would say feel frustrated and overwhelmed that one, they don't have the right tools Two, they kind of get both perspectives, right? They kind of understand a little bit about why the business leaders are saying what they're saying, why they're frustrated, but also they want to protect their teams and they want to support their team. So they're in a really interesting challenge area, kind of there in the middle, in that middle to upper level management kind of structure in organizations where they hear it all, they get it all, but they don't really know what to do about it. And I love the fact that your book breaks down this whole process and what to do about it. So can you talk to me a little bit about what it is that keeps people from speaking up and solving more problems, both from the perspective of the people that are feeling those challenges and then how that affects our kind of middle PMO and project managers when they're stuck in the middle of all this? Yeah, certainly. So some interesting things that came out of the research. One, 50% of the people said, you know, the reason that I don't do anything, you speak up or share my ideas, is because nothing ever happens. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so why that and it could be that nothing ever happens, or it could be that they haven't heard about what's happening with their ideas. And so right. making sure that you have those lines of communication going and how are you responding to an idea really matters. Another is 40% said, I lack the confidence to share my ideas. Yeah. And so that comes from two different things. One is maybe I lack the confidence because I've had a bad experience in the past, or I lack the confidence because I don't know how. Maybe I'm a little mm-hmm. bit clumsy. Nobody's ever taught me how to position my ideas, to engage stakeholders, to do all the things that good PMOs know how to do. But maybe I don't know how to quite do that yet. 
And one of the biggest reasons, which was interestingly, 49% of folks said, you know, the reason I don't share an idea is that no one asked. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Are they not asking? Or so we would go to the senior leaders and say, your people are saying you're not asking. And they said, I have an open door. Well, the problem with an open door is it still takes courage to walk through it, right? And so you can't just say, hey, hey, I want your ideas. You've got to be very specific about what kind of ideas you want. You need to go out and deliberately ask for ideas. Oh, yeah. There's so much. It's so many value bombs and all of those little pieces you just went through right there because I've seen that a lot. I mean, people aren't necessarily going to feel courageous enough to walk through that open door. They don't know what to ask. They don't know how to ask. They feel maybe, well, I don't know if my sponsor or my business leader has time for me. Why is my idea important enough? And I thought that was really important that you said, you can't just say it's an open door. You got to be specific about what you want from them because you can say, yeah, I've got an open door, but if people don't know that's an invitation to come in and specifically have a conversation about something, then it's not going to happen. So, I mean, I see both sides, right? And all of us that spent years stuck in that middle, we get that. Or maybe we were on the senior leadership side and we're like, well, what do you mean? Right. But, (laughs) but I totally get that. And so as business leaders, it's incumbent upon us to be specific, be clear, be supportive, understand those underlying beliefs that maybe your team members have about why they're not stepping up and why they're not feeling heard. And at the same time, you also brought something really interesting up that I want to touch on, which is the lack of transparency. I've seen that so many times, and this is an incredible opportunity for PMO leaders to step in because we hold the keys to the data. And sometimes we're on the side of being in the know about the business changes that are happening that were sparked by ideas from the team members or to resolve pain points that the team members had. But For some reason, business leaders feel like they have to be all cloak and dagger with this and they don't share the information. And so it creates so much anxiety. Lack of information is going to create anxiety. It's going to create overwhelm. It's going to create feeling like you're not being heard. All kinds of problems that, right? So PMO leaders, all of you PMO leaders listening, and even those that are in program and project management roles, you often know a lot more than your team members do. And you need to be looking for opportunities to create some transparency there, because if you don't, then you're gonna end up in a situation where people are gonna feel unheard and undervalued and unappreciated, and it's gonna cause such a ripple effect on all your projects, when in fact, you guys might be doing something to solve that problem. So look at it as an opportunity to create transparency and help your business leaders communicate things that they haven't been communicating in support of your teams. Absolutely. Amen. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Okay. So all of our impact drivers listening, I consider them leaders and they are, they're leading change in their organizations. So how can our impact drivers create a culture that promotes contribution instead of kind of being in this safe, well, somebody else will figure that out, kind of safe silence place where they don't really step up and engage in those conversations or when you're asking for input, they just kind of, well, you know, I'm not going to say anything. How can we create more engagement and contribution? Sure. Well, a couple of practical things. First is you got to role model it. If you're any kind of leader, obviously you've got to go first and create that dynamic by saying, I'm doing it. You can see me doing it and standing up and speaking up. Yes. From there, a great place to start cultivating curiosity is to ask intentional questions. We call these courageous questions. Mm. They're very intentional. They're very specific. They're the opposite of that passive open door. 
where you're being specific, but you're also being vulnerable because you're admitting in the nature of the question that improvement is possible. Mm. You know, so very practically, you know, what's one thing right now that's going to sabotage the success of this project if we don't address it? So it's specific. I'm asking for one thing specifically around sabotaging the success of the project. Yeah. In asking that, I'm acknowledging that there probably is something like that. And if there is, it's much easier then for people to answer that question and speak up with that. And then that opens the door to having more conversations about those things. Oh, yeah. And there's such a relevant, useful place for this specifically in the risk management conversation around projects. Like, what are the risks that could impact this project and keep it from being successful? And sometimes you'll have those conversations and people won't, they won't step up and share the ideas or share the things that could go wrong. And then later they'll say, oh, well, I knew that was going to be a problem or I knew all of that. And they don't say anything and it drives the project leaders crazy. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. So we have a story in the, the book that, it, you know, if you're in project management, you, you may have had to do like a technical implementation. So yeah, there was sure. this implementation and I won't say what they were implementing exactly, but they had done user experience calls every single week. And so they had a, a group of the frontline people who were going to be using this. And every week, everybody brought issues forward and they talked about and, and, you know, boom, okay, everything's going to be great. So all the reports going up to senior management is everything is on track. The users are happy. It's all good. We solved all the problems. The VP of IT Mm -hmm. is now doing management by walking around. Remember when we used to actually be able to go into an office and walk around? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She does a focus group with the folks and she's like, oh, can you show me how, you, how you're using the system? And so the person pulls up the system and chug, 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 chug. It's not, yeah, it's not even not loading. Working. Wow. And so the rep's really embarrassed. She's like, ah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry this takes, she's like, does it always take that long? Oh, well, yeah, it usually takes about 10 minutes to start up. What? Now, this has been implemented in all of their centers, right? So can you imagine the lost productivity? And so she says, you are on all these user experience calls. Why didn't you speak up? And she said, well, nobody asked us about speed, <laughs> right? So it wasn't specific. And she said, and besides, my boss told us to only be positive on those calls so we didn't appear to be negative. Oh, no. Yeah. And so what is, as it turned out, they just did not have enough bandwidth to be running the system. It was a simple solution, but they, it hadn't been brought up. And yet people thought they had been asking because of these user experience groups. And uh -huh. so that's why you've got to you know, set the stage and say, success looks like this being a successful implementation. If something's not working, if it doesn't feel right, you have to tell us. And then yeah. once you hear those things, you have to celebrate it. And that's where we talk about responding with regard. And at some point that manager had got chewed out or somebody had for being negative in quotes, as opposed to looking at that and being grateful for that opportunity to be better. And so when you're talking about risk assessment, whenever we do get the inkling of somebody sharing something, can we be grateful for that and say, thank you in front of everybody else. Thank yeah. you for making it better and having the courage and doing that. And the more of that that we encourage, the more of that we'll get. Oh, and I can see real opportunities for this where you're trying to shift the culture around being able to show a yellow or a red status on something, right? I mean, that's a huge one because some organizations, I know some of my impact drivers listening are suffocated by the fact that they have to show reports that are green and everything's all sunshine and flowers all the time. 
And I coach them and teach them how to get out of that, right? Because that's not doing anybody any favors and it's totally failing the business leaders because now they don't have accurate information to make good decisions. But maybe there's some ways you can shift the culture here and kind of really encourage and support people to bring up the reasons things are happening, the whys behind some of this, some of the issues that they're seeing. Maybe we can be a little bit more proactive. So there's great ways that you can kind of pull that out from people that you go into in your book, which I think is wonderful. Yes. So another question for you. Let's flip this around a little bit because I can remember being a PMO leader inside organizations and I was very open to hearing the ideas and I pulled those ideas out of people and especially my stakeholders as I was going around and talking to all my different business groups and I was saying, okay, tell me what you need. How can we support you? What are your pain points? And then I wanted to say yes to everything. (laughs) And so then I found myself in a whole different problem, right? Because I was really trying so hard to please all of these different stakeholder groups and please all of my team members that really had pain points they wanted to recognize. And then, oh, and then there's the project manager. So I had my PMO team and all the people that worked there. And then I had all the project managers we supported in the organization and they all had ideas that they were bringing to the table. Some wild and crazy, some awesome, right? And so we talk about that too. But what do you do when you're in that situation where I'm telling my PMO leaders all the time, go get the feedback, ask, and you pull those ideas out and really, you know, get all that information about where the pain points are, where the opportunities are. So first part of the question is, what do you do when you've got like 5 million ideas coming at you and you're getting totally overwhelmed? And then secondly, what if they're not such great ideas? (laughs) Two part question. So let's start with, let's start with part A and we're going to take a step back even before those 5 million ideas happen. And that is to get very clear. And so it's interesting when you're talking about curiosity and generating ideas is that one of the things that you can do to really leverage people's thinking is get super clear about where you need a great idea. So it's Ah. not throwing open the pantry doors and saying, smorgasbord, have at it. It's in order to make this project a success, in order to overcome this strategic barrier, in order to achieve this strategic goal, we need great ideas. Mm. What do you have in regard to that? And so as you're asking and pulling specific ideas out of people, A, that's going to narrow down the 5 million different ideas to a smaller set. And from there, you've also established some criteria of what are you looking to achieve? And then you can start working through the ideas that are going to achieve the outcome and satisfy the criteria that, that you've established. So that's the first way to start kind of massaging down and getting people more focused yeah. And there's the response. Yeah. So another thing is that you can also help people to prioritize their own ideas. So we call this an idea grenadier, right? Who's just like giving you all these ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. And then <laughs> and they know, run away. Yeah. And they're running away because they're, they want you to solve the problem. Right? That is so relevant to all of these PMO leaders listening because, you know, and I tell them they have to own the brand of the PMO and they have to own the message about what the PMO does and doesn't do. Because that's a huge thing when you're building a PMO, you'll have people come and say, oh, it should do this and it should do this and it should do this. See ya. You know, yeah, <laughs> and then they run off right. in the other direction. So yeah. that happens all the time. Yeah. And so the, you know, there's two parts of that is one is beginning, and we have a process for doing this of what would a good idea accomplish? Like what are the parameters? How would you vet your idea? And Mm. then also, if people are giving you so many ideas, we have this idea model, which says, okay, why is your idea interesting, aligned with the strategic direction, doable? Is it doable? Is it something we could pull off in the context of all these other competing priorities that we have right now? That's a really important one for project managers. Is it engaging, meaning your stakeholders, are they also going to think it's a good idea? And what are a couple of key actions? 
if you say when you bring me an idea, you know, what you've got these things, let's talk through these criteria. Okay. And you know, then people begin to self-screen and go, yeah, it's probably not doable right now. Ah. You, you know, and so we were just on a call this past week with all of the regional presidents, but the project manager was trying to rein them in because they had a million ideas because yeah. for this leadership development program, things they wanted. Well, let's throw this in here. Let's automate that. Let's do this. And she was like, okay, these are all fantastic ideas. She validated like, everything you've said here. Now, what we need to do is pull back and say, how does this land with this other strategy? Because we're also rolling out this and this and this and this. And we can only prioritize a bit of IT at this time, right? Because we're also prioritizing because all this work from home. Which do you think is the biggest priority? And we'll work on that first. Yeah. And they all backed off of this other thing. Yeah. (laughs) Because she was absolutely right. But she was not defensive. She started with like, that's a great idea. There's nothing to argue with here. That's just a matter of timing. And the key is, and the mistake a lot of folks will make, and we've seen PMOs do this, is when they get all the ideas, then they ignore them or don't respond to them. And so that's worse than never asking in the first place. So to do what this individual did and pull everything together and say, here's what I've heard, here's what we can do, and even offer a choice where appropriate. Then people know that they were heard, they know how it fits in the big picture and where to go next. That's great. I think that for PMO leaders, you know, like if I was to go back and I'm always telling my students and my PMO leaders, I wish I had me when I was you, right? Someone who's like been on the other side of all those battle scars and the lessons learned and everything, right? And so I guess the former me, what I would say to her is, okay, so maybe if you were very specific in how you asked the question with respect to what's your biggest pain point right now? What's the thing that's keeping you up at night? What's the most urgent priority you have? And it's not that you never go back, right? Because I'm always teaching them that they should be going in a more iterative or agile, iterative approach of continuing to go back and keep having those conversations, keep getting those ideas. But if you have six departments or eight departments that you have to go talk to, get their biggest pain point and then then prioritize those by bringing that group together and say, oh, look, you three have the same pain point. Where should we prioritize that? So this is super relevant to shifting the way you get those ideas, that input, and then turn that into the service that you're providing for the organization. I love that. Okay. Now let's flip this around a little bit more. Right. What if, cause I know a lot of my PMO leaders, they're off building their PMOs and they've got these great ideas of things that they want to do. And I'm always telling them, do not sell the PMO. You are not in the position. You should not be selling the PMO because if you're selling the PMO, you're doing it wrong. Your actions should speak louder than your words. The things, the impact you're making should speak louder than you having to go out and sell it. So what do you do if you've got a really good idea? You've got an idea that you want to make sure gets heard, but you don't want to do it in like a salesy, pushy kind of way. How do you get your idea heard in that process? Well, Karen mentioned the idea model earlier, and that's one of the places to start. And we know that, uh, Laura, you're putting that in the uh, downloads, the resources that people can follow up with. But right. IDEA stands, for, it's an acronym, it stands for Interesting, Doable, Engaging, and Actions. And so it's a way to think about that idea and give it the traction it needs without being salesy at all. Right. So if you're trying to position your ideas, you want to make it about the strategic outcome and what your idea would accomplish and not about you. And I think that is where it sometimes when folks get in trouble because they're so excited about their idea and they're so worried about getting credit for their idea. I had a boss who said, you should be like men in black. Like Mm -hmm. it should be all better, but nobody really knows why it's better. And he's like, if you're doing that well, 
it will take care of itself. People will know. And then he also said, and then Karen, it's my job to advocate for you. But right. if you are going out and advocating for you, everybody is so distracted by that and you look self-serving. So think about what are people two levels above? What is important to them? And how can you position your idea in a way that is, feels relevant to them? And then use the idea model that we talked about earlier to have thought it through so that it's not half-baked. Love it. That is perfect. And I really want to emphasize that for all of you impact drivers listening. It's about aligning the idea you have to the impact it's going to have on the organization, the outcome it's going to help them achieve, how it is connected to the why of what your organization is doing and that strategy they're trying to deliver. And when you do that, I love that whole, you know, men in black thing. And like, you, nobody knows you're even there. I think that's brilliant. You know, it's like you put the flash in front of them. It's like, you never saw any of this, right? I love that example. I'm totally going to use that now because I think that's great because that's the thing is that you don't want to be credited for your ideas. You want to be credited for the outcomes you're achieving and those, and that's the actions, right? So if they're taking the actions, if they're making the impact, which is what this entire PMO impact summit we do and podcast, everything we do is about making that impact. And if you're making that impact, people will absolutely know, and you won't have to toot your own horn. You will not have to toot the horn of the PMO or of your projects. People will know, and your business leaders, your boss and your sponsors, They'll have your back because you know what you're doing in the process? You're also making them look good, right? right. So they, are, they got you. Don't you worry. You do your thing. You do it well. You do not need to toot your own horn. They know. And so I think with that, I think that's super awesome. But I also, so we, I want to talk a little bit about this book and how people can get your fabulous book. And I want to tease them a little on what to expect with the PMO Impact Summit because you guys are speaking at the PMO Impact Summit and your session is phenomenal. I'm so excited. And you have an action-taking resource in there. So if you can just really, you know, briefly just kind of talk a little bit about all those things and then let's wrap up with how people can go grab your book right now. Okay. Yeah. So uh, courageouscultures.com, you can learn more about the book and we are so excited to be participating in the summit and we will take you through a bit more about the research, but then give you a very practical roadmap for how do you really build in your PMO, a mm -hmm. courageous culture of micro innovators, problem solvers, and customer advocates. The giveaway is the Idea Incubator Guide, which is a series of step-by-step -step tools that you can easily implement, as well as the first couple chapters of the book. Oh, so super cool. But I do not want you guys to wait to the PMO Impact Summit to get the book. I want you going right there. What is the URL again? I want to make CourageousCulturesBook.com. Very easy. CourageousCulturesBook.com. So even if you're running or exercising or driving right now, you can still remember that and go get it. And it's available on Audible. So if you are a podcast listener and you like to listen and we read it ourselves, which was really fun to read. That's nice. So. That's nice. Awesome. So go out and grab the book. Make sure you register for the PMO Impact Summit. It is free. And if you have not registered, what the heck are you waiting for? You can get to know David and Karen inside the mobile app and chat with them there. And there's so much more to come over these next couple months before we get to the summit. So Karen, David, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing all of this brilliance with our community. Thank you for having us. Laura, really appreciate it. Absolutely. And a huge shout out and thank you to PMO Impact Summit sponsor, Meisterplan. Meisterplan enables you to answer what if questions identify and resolve resource constraints in just a few clicks, and see the impact of changes to your project portfolio in real time. Learn how easy planning your project portfolio can be with Meisterplan by starting your free 30-day trial at meisterplan.com. All right, that's it for this podcast episode, Impact Drivers. 
we will see you at the summit and we will see you when you let Karen and David know that you've read their book and how awesome it is. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye for now.